And so today, I think it's really good that if I could just bring us back to basics. And the basic is this. How can you and I be positioned to encounter God? How can you and I be positioned to encounter God? Now, the first thing I want to share with you is um, from basic principles. Is the time good? Yeah, okay, we'll go straight. Some basic principles of encounters. And the first principle is this. Very simple principle. We need an encounter. We need an encounter. You go through the entire Bible. The heroes of faith, they're from the very minor of characters to the very major of prophets. Each one would have had an encounter with God. The word and the body of Christ are, you know, full of people who have had radical encounter with God. Now, it's not just a head knowledge or an understanding about it, but it's an encounter that shakes you and moves you in the core. It's an encounter that marks you and something changes, something transforms, something happens. It is an encounter, it is an experience that is a, a moment that brings a massive change to your life. And if you are actively in ministry, it can also you know, give you that whole experience of moving into a realm of the supernatural that you never thought existed or you had never experienced before. So you and I need an encounter with God. We need that supernatural breakthrough in our lives and encounters are just part of the process and part of the experience of getting to where God has designed us, has willed us, has planned for us to be. So the very basic thing is we need an encounter with God. Paul was knocked off his horse when he encountered Jesus and as a result, he wrote half of the New Testament. You have Peter, Moses. Moses stumbled on the burning bush and as a result, he led the Israelites to their freedom. He was, he was so important in the story and in the history of bringing the Israelites into their deliverance. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result from the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that encounter with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 got saved in a day. I pray and, and, and hope the day I will live to see a day where I preach and 3,000 will be saved. How amazing is that? By the way, today you're very blessed. This is my first sermon for the decade. And you're very special. You know why? Because tomorrow they don't get to hear me preach. Tomorrow's Pastor Kwan Ming. But today you get to hear me preach. <laughs> so that's why I turn to your neighbor and say, you're very special. You're very blessed today. It's an awesome day. Now Jesus saw the Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus himself had an encounter with God. And when Jesus had that encounter with the Father and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he then moved into, the, into, the, into a time of fasting and praying. He went into the desert. And as a result, from there, he began a life of ministry that saw many, many, many miracles. If Jesus himself has an encounter with God, you and I need that encounter. So the very basic principle, we need an encounter. And then once you have an encounter, it's not enough. An encounter will lead to another encounter. Take Peter for an example. So Peter experienced Pentecost. 
the promise, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And having that later in Acts chapter 4, he has yet another encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that gave him that bonus to be a preacher. That gave him that bonus to be an evangelist. To really be so forthright in the delivery of the Word of God. Encounters are not just a one-time event. It's not about the one time. Not about that one time chukop already. One time with you, Lord, that's enough for me for the rest of the year. It's not about that one time and then I'll just hold on to that one experience and that's sufficient to carry me through the course of my life. It is about experiencing God encounters again and again and again and again as part of your journey with the Lord. Amen? Amen? That's why I termed it Position for encounters with the plural. I want to drive it home today that it's not about just one time. One time is not enough. It's about time and time and time again that you have that encounter with the Lord. That it becomes a way of life. That it becomes something that you look forward to and that you are hungry for. In the Beatitudes, it said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the Lord. Is there a hunger and thirst for the Lord? Or are you hungry and thirsty for dinner tonight? Is there a hunger and thirst for more of God? Or are you satisfied with what you already have received? Okay, la. is okay la a good place to be? Or is there more for you? My answer is, there is always more. Because our God is infinite. Our God has got so much, so much that you will not be able to contain it. If only we were to hunger and thirst for more. Ask and you shall receive. The third basic principle is this, that encounters are often initiating a process. A process kicks into place when you have an encounter. Not, is, not only is it that one moment that is significant for that one moment, but it's going to trigger a process in your life. For example, the encounter that I had when God called me to full-time ministry. It was a very simple call, very simple word that I heard from Him. Lay down your life and follow me. Lay down your life and follow me at church camp in Kuantan. Anybody here was in Kuantan? Danny, you were there, right? I was only a two-year-old Christian, but I heard the voice of God, and I knew it was the shepherd calling me to lay down my life and follow him. And so I obeyed. And as I laid down my life to follow him, by the way, Kenneth and Kim Ann were my cell leaders. I gave them a lot of headache. So it's kind of special that you're here every time I preach. <laughs> lay down your life and follow me, and I did that. And today, 20 years of following the Lord, 18 years full-time in glad tidings. Come on, let's give God praise. Process. Moses was not a perfect leader, but through the burning bush experience, it kicked into place a process of raising up to be a man of God that would do amazing things for the Lord. And you and I know also that Paul, Paul was horrible. He was blasphemous. He didn't deserve to be chosen to be used by God. But that one encounter and that, that he was blinded by the presence of the Lord changed everything. 
And from there, Paul began a process after he was knocked off the horse to bring the gospel to so many, many parts of the world that was unreached, including Asia Minor. How amazing is that? So encounters initiate a process in our lives. There is always a bigger purpose as to why God has allowed you to have the encounter. He works all things out for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. So God has a purpose. When you have the encounter with Him, it's not just to fulfill a small part of your story. It has a bigger reason. It has a much larger impact. But we need to be patient in order to be able to discover what is the process? What is the plan that God has? He can't give it all to us at one time. Do you ever wonder, God, why don't you just tell me the plan right now? One shot, give it to me. One shot, tell me. So I know. I'll tell you why. You won't be able to take it. You won't be able to handle it. It will be far greater than what you could ever think or imagine. Because our God is a greater God. If you ask me 18 years ago that I would be preaching, that I'll be doing creative ministry, I will freak out. And I will not answer the call of God. Right? So step by step, God will bring that revelation. Step by step, God will bring you through that process. But you need to be willing to go through that process. So today we're going to learn from a prophet how we can position ourselves for an encounter. Another basic principle is this, that encounters do not guarantee obedience. Just because you had all the heroes of faith, all the people who are in history had the encounter with God, it does not guarantee that they would be obedient to the Lord. Take a look at Peter, James, and John. So they had this significant encounter. A lot of things in the Old Testament quite epic, right? They go on to the mountain, a mount of transfiguration. And they're at least having an encounter with Jesus. You would think that it would mark them so much that they will be forever, ever loyal to the Lord. But yet, when Jesus was on the cross, were they found there? No. They abandoned Jesus and they ran. They were fearful. And so that one encounter... However, amazing, significant, spectacular may not guarantee obedience. For us who have had that encounter, it still makes us having to make that intentional decision that yes, Lord, I will obey you. That Lord, even when I don't see it, we sing the song, Waymaker. When I don't see it, I'll still obey you. When I don't feel it, I'll still obey you. When it doesn't seem to make sense, I will still obey you. So encounters do not guarantee obedience. And the last principle is this. You can't control when you are going to have an encounter. You know, I think that in uh, our lives, so often we expect certain things that when I go through this fast, God, you are going to do this for me. That, Lord, when I give this tithe, then you are going to do that for me. So we operate on this mindset that when I do something for you, then you're going to do something for me. But he's God. 
He is greater. He is sovereign. And He is in control when you will have that encounter. He is in control when you will have that revelation. It is not us to make a demand. I'm desperate, God. I'm desperate for an answer. Why are you not answering me now? Don't you see what I've been going through? Can't you see that I've suffered enough? Right? You feel that desperation at times? I need an answer. Tomorrow I have to give a reason already. God, why can't you appear now? So we, it's at our beckoning. We beckon God. But He's sovereign. And so He decides when He will reveal Himself in an encounter. So today, in order to help us understand how we can position for an encounter with the Lord, I want to bring you to the prophet Elijah. And this is in 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to encourage you that a key learning that we have today is that daily encounters are needed. It is not enough just to have one experience and be satisfied with that. But maybe a drive and a desire in our hearts that every single day will be an encounter with Him. That every single day will be a revelation of the Lord. That there will be a renewal of our mind. We need daily encounters with God. And so to Elijah, I just want to share the context of his experience and then we're going to learn from him four steps of how we can be positioned for an encounter. Okay? Now, let's take a look at this picture. The next slide, please. This picture. Okay? Not this one. The title, Elijah and his encounter. Yes, this one. So now, this picture depicts the beginning of 1 Kings 19. I will read part of the scripture and narrate part of the scripture. So your homework today is go back and meditate on 1 Kings 19. Alright? If you want to, you can open to 1 Kings 19 and just follow through with me. But I want to just touch base on what happens here. So 1 Kings 19 opens with this picture of the prophet Elijah. And he is lying down underneath a broom tree. And it says here in verse 1 to 9, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And then Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, under it and prayed that he might die. He cried out to God, Enough lah! Enough already, God! Take my life! I had enough, no more! And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Now, the chapter before this, I'll show you the next picture. This just happened. The fire, fire picture. Ah, okay, this one. This just happened, the chapter before. Do you know what things Elijah had experienced with the Lord? Do you know what incredible, incredible encounters he had with God? Let me name a few, yeah? I won't go through all of that. This happened in Mount Carmel. But before Mount Carmel, 
he saw God supernaturally. He had many, many miraculous supernatural experiences with God leading to this event in the broom tree. God provided for him a raven to feed him food at a brook. God led him to a widow in Zarephath. And the widow in Zarephath, remember she poured the oil and she kept pouring the oil and she kept pouring the oil. Now this was through Elijah's uh, leading. He experienced a miracle. And her son died. And he prayed. Weird way to pray, but he prayed. He laid down on the child, right? And the child experienced resurrection. So this is a prophet who had experienced God provide miraculously before his own eyes. Unexplainable things have happened. The amazing, the spectacular. Even a child can be raised to death, from death to life. In years of famine, yeah, three years of famine at one command. Three years of, of sorry, drought. Three years of drought, he cries out to God in one command and God sends rain. How powerful is that? God is, he is so favoured by the Lord. When he goes into this uh, epic battle with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Ezra, how many of them? 400 prophets of Baal at this encounter. 450 prophets of Ezra. So in total, we are talking about 850 false prophets. And he, solo, by the power of God, they cried, they chanted, they cut themselves, they really made a whole big show, and the bulls couldn't be sacrificed. He poured water onto the wood. He made a trench and he filled up water, making it even more difficult for wood to be lighted up because it's wet. And then he prayed before God. And when God, when he prayed, this is what happened. God sent fire from heaven. And that fire is not the sikit sikit fire, you know, that just, uh, just slowly, slowly, you know, catch fire and then it just slowly, slowly spread. You know how many of you are, are people who go into the wilderness? I'm not one of them, but you can tell I'm a city girl. So you... <laughs> <laughs> you go into the woods, right? And then you start a fire and then you just slowly, slowly builds. Not that kind of fire. This fire came from heaven. One moment, boom! Everything licked up. Licked up! You know, fire can lick. I think you watch some of the videos of how Australia has been having some very furious fires. So in that kind of intensity, one time fire effect comes down and everything is consumed. This was what he was coming out of. This was what had happened in his life. So many incredible things. But the moment a woman threatens him, he runs. A woman. Threat only, oh. she didn't do anything yet. <laughs> she just threatened him. And then he runs. Maybe it's true, like they say, you know, hell, hell has no fury like a woman scorn. Uh. Yeah. Roger is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, the women in glad tidings are not like that, lah. Ayo, hell has no woman. Hell has no fury like a woman scorned. So, just a little threat by a woman, it sends this prophet who is so divinely anointed. It sends him running for his life. So, I want to bring to your attention something that's very real to you and I. I enjoy reading this portion of scripture. And I think it's very pertinent to us because it shows us how human 
even the prophets and the heroes of faith are. There is a human nature to us. There is a human response that happens to anyone for that matter. And it happened to this particular great prophet. And so his human response was, Run! My life is in threat. I have to run. And so in an encounter, when we are seeking to be positioned for an encounter, there can be setbacks. There can be setbacks. A couple of setbacks from this experience that uh, we learned from Elijah, it can be an enemy. In his case, it's a physical enemy. But we know that there is a spiritual enemy. There is an enemy who is out there to seek whom he can devour. And therefore, we need to be on the alert at all times. That is an enemy that wants to hinder you and I from progressing in the things of God. And the enemy is at work. There are unmet expectations. And so besides having that death threat upon his life, there was a part of him that was very, very disappointed. So you see, after that great, amazing experience of the Baal prophets and the Ezra prophets being defeated, he killed all of them yeah, in one day. Having, having that great experience, his expectation was this. Israel would immediately go into revival. So having obeyed God and seen God deliver miraculously, powerfully, supernaturally, his expectation was this, that there will be an immediate turnaround in the spiritual conditions of the people of Israel. So the people of Israel were following and praying to false gods. And so he thought, you know, after this, right, surely they will all be revived. Surely they will all come back to God. And it didn't happen. So with those unmet expectations, he fell into disappointment. He fell into severe discouragement. And there are many, many Bible scholars that would say that he went into depression. That's why he was even suicidal. Take my life. Enough. I've done everything. What more you want from me? Just take my life. That was how despaired he was. And these can be setbacks that are very real in life. He was confused. And in that confusion, you will find that what happens after he has been fed by an angel, after he has been given some kind of nourishment, in his confusion, he went into 40 days of wilderness. The wilderness is a very real place for many, many believers. But sometimes we don't recognize that we are in wilderness. So this prophet, having had some sustenance from the angel of the Lord, miraculously experienced how God provided for him, how God sustained him for 40 days in the wilderness. From the broom tree, the broom tree that he was, he was sleeping under, to a place which is Mount Horeb. He took 40 days wandering aimlessly, very lost. It took him 40 days to get to Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb is a very significant place for believers, for the Israelites. It's where the transfiguration happened. It's where Moses met with the Lord. It is where many, many heroes of faith had their personal experiences with the Lord. But if you look at the scripture, Elijah was not told to go to Mount Horeb. For 40 days, he wandered and ended up in Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is like this place of familiarity. So he went there because it's a familiar place. 
He went there because by tradition, by what I know, by my past experiences, this is where I can, you know, feel a sense of God. And so without having received instructions from the Lord specifically, he wandered to Mount Horeb. And when he got there, he then went into a cave. How often it is that when we are in a state of confusion, in a place of seeking or disappointment, discouragement, that our tendency is to go back to our Mount Horeb. We go back to what is familiar. We go back to what is of some kind of comfort, hoping that there we will find a solution. But you see, Mount Horeb was not his refuge. Going back to the familiar was not something that God had designed for him. He just operated out of default. You know, we go by default. It's a routine. This is what I know, therefore I do this because it's something I'm familiar with. But when he went to Mount Horeb, God was to meet him in a very, very special way. So we go down a little bit further, yeah? And so the first step to position for an encounter, applying it to our lives today, is to address assumptions. He was found in a cave and then God spoke to him. He said in verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? There were underlying assumptions. And then he replied, I'll put it into our modern day terms, the simple words. I've been serving you. I've been doing all these things for you. I've been following and obeying. I've done everything. And then you see what happens now? You see the people in the church? They reject your covenant. They pour down their, their altars. They even put prophets to death. They, even, they are even killing their own kind. And you see, I'm just all alone now. I'm all alone, nobody else. And so he was in a mode of self-pity as well. A lot of self-pity, a lot of crying out in, uh, in kind of like a pity party that he was in. And so God then asked him again in that one simple question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so I believe that question is a soul-searching question. In that simple question, God was asking him, are you having the right focus? Are you having the right way of thinking? Do you understand what is your viewpoint and what is my viewpoint? Can you grasp the greater things that are around you? And I believe that this is an illustration in this simple way that God approaches Elijah, that he uses his word, his word that is in the Bible, he uses His voice to speak to us, to confront us. Are we having the right thinking? Are we having the right expectations? Are we truly, truly honouring the Lord or beckoning Him? So it becomes a provoking question, asking Elijah, the very first step in being positioned for an encounter is to think about it. Why are you here? And the Word of God will be used time and time again to help us to have understanding, to reprove our 
failures, our wrong thinking, and to help us catch that glimpse that the God that we serve is a God of grace. He is a God of grace and so very patient. 40 days he allowed this prophet to wander. He did not intervene. But at his timing, he began to speak to Elijah. What are you doing here? So as we have entered into 2020, let me bring you also into a time of reflection. And this will carry through yeah, at the end. I learned from a very good friend how we, have to, how we should spend our time reflecting on the year so that we can then enter into the new year position for better things that are to come. So at the end of this service, towards the end of the message, you will have a time of reflection as well on these areas, addressing assumptions. What are you doing here? Yes, I know you're in church. <laughs> yes, I know that you are knowing the Lord. But what are you doing here? In the greater sense of what are you doing with your life? What are you doing in Malaysia? What are you doing in the company that you are serving? What are you doing in the community that you are living in? What are you doing here? Are there assumptions that need to be addressed? Are there assumptions that need to be corrected if our thinking has been wrong? Perhaps you even entered the year 2020 with unmet expectations. 2019, you had all these expectations and you come in 2020 and you say, God, where have you been? Where have you been? Because you had expectations, a beckoning of God and not a beholding of Him. Do you know the difference? Right? Come here, God, do this for me. Or are you beholding? Lord, you are amazing. What, have, what you have done for me, what you have brought me through, these are the things that I can give thanks to you. Is there a beckoning or is there a beholding? So assumptions need to be addressed in our lives. Secondly, he goes on to say this. So after he had withdrawn into the cave and he replied to the Lord on that question, then God said to him in verse 11, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And so there needs to be an eager anticipation. An eager anticipation, if we are to encounter God, there needs to be an anticipation that God, if I do something, you are going to meet me there. If I were to move out of my comfort, you will be found there. So this is where the cave illustration comes in. That the cave where he retreated into is really a very human thing and human strategy to do. When you are in threat, when you feel that you have no solution, when you want to go to a place where it's comfortable and that you know you, know you can go, nobody can find me there, nobody will, uh, you know, will threaten me in that place, we retreat. We retreat into, in his case, it's a physical cave. But in our lives today, many of us retreat into a space like a cave. Nobody come near me, don't talk to me, because I want to be in isolation, I want to feel that here I am protected. It's a human strategy. It's a human mechanism. That when you go into retreat, you feel safe. But that's not what God wanted for him to do. God said, get up. Get out to the mountain. I'm going to pass you by. 
And why the word pass you by? You see, in the Old Testament, you cannot see God face to face. You will be destroyed. You're not clean enough. You're not holy enough. We are of sinful nature. You come into the presence of God, you will not live. And so God can only pass His people by. But today, today how amazing it is that when Jesus died on the cross and the veil being torn, we no longer need to just have God pass me by, that you can come into the awesome presence of a living God. How blessed we are. Amen? So God desires, He gave His Son Jesus because He desires to have the encounter with you. Jesus desires to come into your life and into your presence, into your circumstances, into your situations. Every single moment, if only we let Him. If only we anticipate. If only we will be positioned for that encounter. And so he asked him, move, get out. Don't stay there. Move out of your position. Change your attitude. Come out of the cave and something is going to happen. So perhaps it applies to you and I today. Some of us have gone into withdrawal in 2020. It's safer that way. I won't get hurt. I won't get harmed. I just do things my way. It's a human strategy. But God is saying to you today, get out of your cave. Move. Move from your position. Come anticipating. When you come in anticipation, see what I can do. So the next thing, the next step is this. Pay attention. Pay attention. I tell you, these days, our lives are a lot, a lot of distraction, really, man. Even I fall into that trap. Recently, Netflix. I confess, I watch Netflix. <laughs> I watch this show called Virgin River. All romance, romance, one very cute. Yeah. <laughs> very bad. What else? We're so constantly distracted. Our phones. I see my daughter on TikTok every day. TikTok, TikTok. You know what's TikTok, right? Some dance, dance. One. How many of you do TikTok here? See, they don't want to lift up their hands. So they TikTok, TikTok. So many things that are happening around our lives. So many, so much noise. So much noise. So much busyness. I have to go. I have to go and do this. I need to do that. I need to spend time with my friends. I need to, you know, be in the social scene. Otherwise, I'm not happening. I'll be losing out. I need to do that. I need to do this. And we are constantly busy. But God is saying, hey, pay attention. Pay attention because I can speak to you anywhere, anytime. And so this is what happened. So remember the prophet has had all this amazing, spectacular, miraculous, epic experiences with God, right? So when God said to him, come out of the cave and meet with me, I'm going to pass you by. This is what happened. Scripture says this. Let me find the scripture. Okay. The Lord said, go out on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. not 
me. And then the next thing happened. The wind tore mountains apart. It shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earth-shattering earthquake. An earthquake that shook all around him. He obviously wouldn't be able to stand very still. He would be wondering, would I even be able to live, walk out of this cave alive? And then he began to diminish the earthquake stop. But you know what? God was not found in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake came a fire. Fire, fire lah. <laughs> I'm sure it was a great fire. This sound not so amazing. It's like blip, 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 blip. <laughs> you can imagine raging fire, like the Australian forest fires, the kind of raging fire. But God was not found in the fire. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not found in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When God heard, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And this is very significant. It's very significant for you and I because oftentimes we only think that God can reveal himself in the spectacular. Must be dramatic, you know. Worship, ah, song, ah. Then I cry, and I touch God, I feel God. So real in my life today, I went to church. God touched me in the worship time. In my time of prayer, I was shaking, and I could just sense the presence of the Lord all over me. We expect the spectacular. But in reality, God wants to speak to us in a gentle whisper. Can we recognize His voice? Are we able to pay attention? So I love this. It says here, God's primary vehicle for changing people and bringing reformation and revival is not the miraculous, the sensational, the spectacular like Israel experienced on Mount Carmel. It is the voice of God speaking to His people. Are you able to hear His voice today? Pay attention. God is speaking. What is He saying? So in this past few years, there is one encounter I've had with God that really has marked my life. And it happened after I, w- I went on sabbatical. So in the year 2000, 2016, I took five months off on a sabbatical just to spend some time with family and to find myself you know, in uh, just seeking the Lord and what I wanted to focus on. And I came back in t- 2016, 2017, 2018. So I came back to serve the Lord. And there were there was a moment that it was just frustrating. I didn't know what to expect, didn't know what to do, just wondering how things are going to work out. What can I focus on? And I came to a leaders meeting. And I came to this leaders meeting um, uh, just, just to attend, attend the leaders meeting. And it was held in this hall. And outside, I saw Dr. Yiki with her son, Suyan, Ziyan, Ziyan. And she looked so tired. She looked so, so tired, and Zian was fretting, fretting, fretting. And then she said, Ayo, whole afternoon I've been trying to put him to sleep, but he doesn't want to sleep. But he obviously looked tired. 
So I said to her, okay, let me try. Let me take care of Zian. Now, I'm not very good with children, but I just offered. I see Yuki's so tired, so I just offered. And somehow, somehow, when I was rocking Zian, he fell asleep like a cola bear in my hands. He fell asleep. And really, it was like a cola bear. I was outside, and then the parents were very worried. Okay, no, you okay, no? I said, yeah, okay, okay. Can, can, can. And Zian fell asleep in my lap, and I sat down at the back. But it was at that moment, unassuming, that I heard God's voice. God spoke to me because my struggle was this. God, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I doing in my life? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be? I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Absolutely, I'm a doer. Guilty of that. But what am I supposed to be doing, Lord? And I would have been waiting for days for him to speak to me. Weeks, in fact. And that day, while Zian was in my arms, cradling a child, God spoke to me. He said, Karen, you are now entering a season. It's not about you. Not about you. But it's about you impacting the next generation. So every time I see Zian, I remember what God spoke to me. So simple, right? In a sweet, sweet moment, unassuming, I heard God. And I knew that it was His voice. God wants to speak to you. God wants to make His plans for you so very clear. But are you paying attention? Or are you like me, having been distracted by Netflix? Time to pay attention. It can be at any moment that God is saying, what about this question? How do I know if it's God's voice? I know of many, many believers who struggle. How do I know if it is God's voice? I just give you two very valuable lessons that I've learned. Firstly, His voice will line up with His word. His voice will line up with His word. So the more you understand the Bible, the more you understand the Word, the more you will know the voice of God. Secondly, there is agreement in the body of Christ. So if there is something that God has spoken to you, and you were to share it with your leader, somebody who is more matured in the Lord, they will be in agreement. They will be in agreement. For example, when I answered the call of God, and I shared with Kenneth and Kimen that I had been called by God, under normal circumstances, everybody would question, uh, are you crazy? You're just a two-year-old Christian, you know. How do you know that God is calling you? But because it was the call of God and the voice of God, there was agreement. They have walked with me through the years, walked me through Bible school, ministry, up to this point. They are still walking together. There is agreement in the body of Christ. Are you with me? Yes, so pay attention. Pay attention. What is God saying? And then finally, in verse 15 to 18, the fourth step is faith activation. Faith activation. So faith without works is dead. You need to have faith, and that faith makes activation. Something needs to be done with it. If Elijah had remained in the cave and disobeyed God, he would not have that experience of hearing from God. He needed to get up, obey God, and move out of that cave. He needed to activate his cave. And so when he did that, that encounter had a far greater purpose than his mind could perceive. In the same way, when God is speaking to you and you activate your faith, it will have a result. It will have a greater purpose 
than what our minds can even imagine. Because He's God. He's greater. He has a much, much far, far, He has a much, much uh, bigger plan than even what you and I can understand. Our human minds cannot perceive it. But we need to be obedient to take steps of faith. And so, verse 15 to 18, this is what he said. The Lord said to him, you go back the way you came. You go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat from Abel, Manoleh, to succeed you as a prophet. So now this mighty prophet who is so used to the spectacular experiences God in a very personal way. God works according to his ways. And so understanding that he doesn't need to do something so difficult given his situation, he just gives him three simple tasks. You go to this guy, you anoint him, and you make him king. Then you go to this guy, and then you anoint him, you make him king over Israel. Then you go to this guy by the name of Elisha, you anoint him, and then he then becomes a prophet. That's all he needed to do. Three simple steps. But when he obeyed the three simple steps, God would then use these three people to turn everything around. Everything turned around. Israel was never the same again. And he had a successor to the work that he was doing for the Lord. How amazing is that? So in the same way, in your life and my life, when we position for the encounter, faith activation may not be something that is so difficult, so high level, so beyond you. But a simple step of faith that will turn everything around. When we feel overwhelmed by life, and are tired and afraid of all that we are going on around us. God doesn't always tell us to go out and take on the world. Sometimes God just says, go out and take the next simple step. So my friends today, my final question to you is this. What's the next step, the next simple step that God has for you today? In the troubles that we face as a nation and the world with our doubts, with our fears, anxiety, so many things at work in our lives, let us be found positioned for a God encounter today. And like Elijah, take that next step of faith. Amen? Amen. Hey, ashes, now your time. Come. I'm going to give you this little uh, card and invite you to join me in a time of reflection. As we go through these four steps, a very short time of reflection. I'm not going to invite you forward to an altar call. Pastor John is going to turn on the soaking music from the GT album. And we're going to walk through these four steps. Personalize it because we serve a God who is so very personal. We serve a God whose plan for you is special. So special. You are unique. Give out, Pastor. Quite bien. Quite then. Uh, then you don't give one by one, you give row by row. Row by row, just give out down the road. Yes, and if you need a pen, just put your hand up. And with the soaking music playing, just going to walk you through. And this is something that I think um, uh, a lot of us do. We overthink a lot. 
kind of a simple question, but then we think a lot of angles to it. Uh, today, I hope that as we go through these four points of refle reflection, the first thing that comes to mind, just put it down. Don't overthink it. In simple way, just begin to answer the four questions that we have. Firstly, assumptions. What are you doing here? Why are you doing here? What are you doing here at this season of your life? At this stage? What are you doing here? Is there an assumption that needs to be addressed? Second question, eager anticipation. Today we are reminded that God is so ready, so ready to move, so ready to reveal, so ready to answer your prayers. What needs to change? What needs to change? But changing doesn't always require moving because there are times we need to learn to be still. Let me give you a very simple illustration. If God wants to touch you and pour out to you and if you're so busy moving, doing, going, there's no way you're going to capture the fullness of His anointing. For some of us, we need to be still before Him. For some of us, we need that boldness to draw a little closer to God because His Word says this, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. How simple is that? Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. What needs to change? What needs to change so that you can anticipate an encounter with God? Thirdly, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen a little closer. What is God saying? What is God saying? He can speak through the Bible. He can speak through a sermon like today. He can speak through a, a, a servant of the Lord. He can speak through your cell leader. He can speak through your closest friend. What is God saying today? And then finally, faith activation. What is the next simple step? Next simple step. As God lays in your heart. For this year, 2020, position for an encounter for him, with Him. What is the next simple step? Can I have the worship team on stage? Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.